This is Mind Wars. I'm Chris Ryan, and on today's show, we've got David Icke. David is the author of over 20 books, and for the past three decades, has been tirelessly researching on who controls the world and how it's all orchestrated. He recently just released a new book called The Answer, which I have myself, and it does exactly what it says in the tin. But um, first of all, David, I'd like to get into a couple of weeks back. I was at the Trafalgar Square protest in London. I was at the front row, and you've done a fantastic speech. But I'd just like to quote from your very opening sentence in what you said, to think one time that people in the street used to laugh at me. Speak your truth and the world comes to you. Did you ever think back in the early 90s that that would be coming true today in 2020? Well, it, it didn't seem like it at the time, Chris, to be honest. <laughs> but um, yes, I did. Uh, because something's driven me on um, all these uh, three decades. Uh, and and it, was, um, it was this strong, strong feeling that this was going somewhere. And when I was sitting on the Wogan show in 1991, being laughed at by the audience, and then I went through being laughed at wherever I went, it didn't seem like it was heading somewhere, but something, something inside me, keep going, keep going. This is, this is going somewhere. It's going somewhere. And eventually uh, uh, it has, uh, and it's really um, a simple combination of speaking your truth, uh, through these decades in the face of ridicule and abuse, uh, but world events eventually showing that uh, reports of my madness were greatly exaggerated. Uh, and uh, that combination has, has, has transformed it, really. I mean, the mainstream media still, well, actually, funny enough, the mainstream media to um, a large, large extent have gone from ridiculing me, I still get some of it here and there, uh, to ignoring me, you know. I mean, when you think that, uh, you know, what I've been uh, saying, doing, and what's been happening to me in terms of censorship and all these things uh, through this, um, these months of 2020, you would have thought that uh, a mainstream uh, organization, media organization, uh, would have um, wanted to talk to you, but they haven't. Uh, we have a, a, a radio station um, in Britain called Talk Radio, it's owned by Murdoch, say anymore, um, that has to fill 24 hours of silence every day. Uh, and uh, I was on there being interviewed by uh, Eamon Holmes, uh, whether he's still on there, I don't think so. Uh, and uh, the YouTube hits got a combined total of six million. But uh, they've not even come near me. They won't, they won't talk to me. It's like there's almost like a, um, a, a, an overall ban on talking to me. Uh, and uh, so uh, that says something, that it's gone from uh, this guy's mad to we just won't give this guy a platform under any circumstances. And, you know, when you, um, when you apply that, against the extraordinary compliance that the mainstream media has had with the official narrative, simply parroting that and ignoring to a large extent, although in some areas now they're being forced to, to, to look at some of it because the evidence is overwhelming. Um, but overwhelmingly, again, they have um, pushed the official narrative uh, coming out of the World Health Organization, and they have um, ignored uh, the massive evidence that there's a scam going on and that the uh, the government narrative makes no sense um, whatsoever uh, and 
you know, it, it, it says something when you are uh, marginalized in terms of having any, any opinion in the mainstream media. At the same time that uh, YouTube have banned me, uh, Facebook have banned me, goodness knows how many other have banned me. It says something, it, it says where the real power is. The real power is, um, is not with these people. Uh, they, uh, this, this network, which we'll get into and how it works, um, have control of Silicon Valley. Indeed, they created Facebook and Google and YouTube, et cetera, um, and Twitter. Uh, they control the, the financial system. They control the mainstream media. They control governments. They control and own the major uh, global corporations like Amazon. And yet they're frightened of people like me putting out information that challenges their narrative for a simple reason that if we look at this whole pandemic hoax, the official narrative is insane. It makes no sense. It can't be supported by the evidence. It can't be supported by sanity. And so the only way to protect it is to censor those that are, are exposing it. And that's where, why this hysterical uh, um, censorship now is, is getting more and more extreme. Uh, to, to, to silence um, other, other views and other information about what's actually uh, going on. But it, it does show you where the power is because the, the whole focus, the whole um, stadium in which this global conspiracy of which this coronavirus um, hoax is, is a major, major part, um, the, the, the official story is, is so unsupportable by the evidence. And, and this brings us to this whole stadium in which they play in called perception. If there's a few of you, and we can get into how few there are at the core of this, that are driving the direction of human society. Um, if you um, are, are just a few, and you have to control the many, then you can only do it by controlling the perceptions of the many. So you get them to act the way um, that suits you because you haven't got enough people to physically enforce it. So you have to get people to enforce it on themselves by controlling their perception. And people form their perceptions from information received. Uh, and therefore uh, you, you need to control information and marginalize um, other information so that you can get the overall perception that you want people to have. So if you look at how billions of people were put under house arrest um, during these lockdowns, um, it was just perception. You had one group, the biggest group, whose perception was that the governments of the world and the World Health Organization, run by liars, was telling them the truth about a deadly virus. And so they said, oh yes, we've got to go under house arrest. And they trotted, trotted um, into their homes and sat there and stayed there because, um, oh, we've got to be safe from this deadly virus. So that's perception one. And that got most people, especially early on. Then there's perception two, which, which another group of people, the second biggest group that could kind of see, this is not right, it, it just made no sense. But, what are the consequences for me of standing up to it and not obeying what I'm told to do? Um, so they then went on a house arrest, reluctantly, but they still did it. And then you've got the third group um, that can see it's a scam, 
and will not cooperate with it, will not wear the masks, will not do all the stuff they're told to do because they realise it's all, it's all about human control and nothing to do with health. And that's the group that we have to make bigger and bigger and bigger. It is beginning to happen. And the, one of the key reasons for that is that um, what governments have been telling them uh, all the way through these months about this deadly virus and all these things is simply not playing out in their daily experience. The longer things have gone on, the less and less it's played out. Um, and, and so people have got more and more skeptical about this um, official uh, story of what's going on. And to try to compensate for that um, skepticism, they have just increased the fines and increased the consequences for not doing what you're told. Uh, and uh, it's, um, it's perception that it's all about. And so they have to control information to control perception. And that's why people like me um, are dangerous to them. And they fear people like me because they fear the information, which I know from my own experience, when people hear it, it starts to make sense of their own daily experience, whereas the government narrative does not. Exactly. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And um, thankfully, most of my audience is awake, but there are a few that are kind of hesitant or sitting on the fence at the moment. And the one question, they know that something isn't right, but at the same time, they're kind of going, I don't agree with authorities, but maybe we should do it anyway because this kind of sense of oh we might get freedom in a few weeks like we go back to flatten the curve yeah that that's still going on but the question they can't seem to wrap their head around is how can the few control the many well i'll come to that but let's just mm. say uh, just a few words about why they want to do it uh, I, i've been exposing all these decades um a network which i'm going to describe because it's a very simple structure how they do it um, it, there's a network that is um, that has an agenda for the total global subjugation of the human population, uh, a global version of Nazi Germany, but and then some because of the technological um, connection, the, the, the use of technology to control the, uh, today. And there's not that many of them i mean at the core of this uh, what i call the cult the global cult you get them in one room um so how do they do it um they have to um give you again we're coming back to perception they have to give you reasons why the agenda should be introduced while keeping from the population that there is an agenda they want the population to think it's just random uh, happenings. Um, uh, and, but, but it's not, it's going in a very clear um, direction, but they don't want the people to know that. They wanna keep you in, in ignorance of where they're taking you, but on each step, give you an excuse why that step should be taken. And there's two techniques um, I've been writing about for a long time. One I called back in the 90s, uh, problem reaction solution. You create a problem, or the illusion of one it doesn't have to be a real problem just that people think it, it, it's a real problem human caused global warming the virus hoax a classic no problem reaction solutions techniques uh, and having created the problem or the illusion of it you then use the mainstream media we come back to it which um if we had real journalism that uh, questioned uh, official narratives then problem reaction solution could not work 
be impossible because as the official narrative was was parroted by the government proper journalists would investigate it they would demolish it and they would tell the people what they found out about it at which point uh, the whole thing would collapse but because we don't because we have a mainstream media my god uh, how, how more blatant than in the last few months um, that takes the official story and without question repeats it to the population and and what you're looking at at stage two is the population um being in fear being in outrage about the problem and basically either saying something must be done what are you going to do about it or being open to uh, changes and impositions because of the problem that they wouldn't have uh, accepted without the the problem or the illusory problem in, in the case of what we're talking about and so you've got the problem you've got the reaction do something or acceptance that well something must be done and then those that have covertly created the problem or illusion of it then offer the solution to the problems they've created and that in terms of this uh, virus is masks it's social distancing it's house arrest it's it's um, destruction of the global economy um, um, all of which um, I've been writing for again decades was the plan to do all of those things um, and to impose global fascism beyond anything even Orwell um, envisaged because of the big technological uh, input now in uh, in human control uh, and the other um, technique uh, that I I've talked about for a long time, which is like the stable mate of problem reaction solution, is what I call the totalitarian tiptoe. That is that you start at A and you're going to Z, but if you go in too big a leap, I mean, they are now, because they, they feel confident and, and also they, they have to move very quickly uh, now because they've actually entered the room. They've gone from covert to overt and therefore they have to get their control systems in place very quickly before enough people wake up and see what the game is which is kind of happening so um with a totalitarian tiptoe you start at a and you know you're going to z you don't tell the, you don't tell the population that and every step towards z is promoted and um sold as completely unconnected to all the other steps uh but eventually you get down the road and you look back and you see where you've gone and where you've come and you've gone more and more into a totalitarian centralized dictatorship that's been going on now for so long uh, but what's happened with the virus hoax is it's broke the surface and more and more people than ever before can um, can actually uh, uh, see it so why 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 are they taking the world where it's being taken because uh, I've, I've been talking or writing like again for decades about something I call the the Hunger Games Society uh, which you can visualize as a pyramid and at the top is this cult of, you can call it the one percent uh, if you like it's an it's this inner core elite behind all this um, and at the bottom of the pyramid is basically the rest of humanity in uh, under control through dependency on the on the one percent and in between you have a um, police actually what it's meant to be is a police military state you watch the military coming more and more into this virus situation 
uh, alleged virus situation. So this military police state they want in the Hunger Games societies, I call it, is to impose the will of the 1% on the population and stop the 1% challenging uh, or being challenged by the population. Now, if people just think on for a second that I've been writing this uh, about this Hunger Games society structure for decades, and now look what's happened as a result of this, um, uh, this virus hoax. Because if you are going to create a state um, where the population as a whole is dependent upon the few just to survive, to put food on the table, then what you have to do, foundation, is destroy people's independent livelihoods. You have to destroy independent businesses, which are not owned by the cult, um, and you have to destroy employment with those businesses. Because while that independent source of livelihood um, exists, they're not going to be dependent on you. So now, look what's happened as a result of these lockdowns, which were nothing to do whatsoever with, um, with health. You can see that with the, the Swedish example that didn't lock down. Uh, it was to do with um, demolishing people's independent livelihoods to create this dependency on the few of billions of people. Uh, and the first lockdown period was to hit, hit these livelihoods um, massively. But some would survive just. Um, and the idea through this winter is to hit them again. So that, you know, most of what has survived so far won't survive beyond that, especially in, in these um, industries relating to entertainment, relating to relaxation and what, what they call hospitality. Um, any, if you look at it, anything that allows people to chill out and relax and, and, and interact, human discourse, they've targeted. So that, that's um, why they wanted all this. That's why they wanted the lockdown. So how did they pull it off? Well, um, if you visualize a, a spider's web around the planet, um, that very, very uh, symbolic of the structure through which this works. Um, you've got what I call the spider at the center of the web. That's, that's in the shadows. Those people are not on public display. You see their agents like Bill Gates, George Soros, uh, and uh, people who are um, in the public eye. You see them, but they're still gophers. They're not the source of it. They are the way it's played out. Someone like Gates will be up there as a gopher, but he's still a gopher. Um, and if you think of a, um, a transnational corporation where they have a headquarters somewhere, symbolic of the spider, and they have subsidiaries in all the different countries. And what happens is the subsidiaries answer to the headquarters. So um, I've used in um, an animated video I did of this, um, which you can see on, um, on, on Bitchute, uh, the, the, the symbol of, um, or symbolism of uh, McDonald's. So you have uh, the headquarters of McDonald's and you have all the subsidiaries around the world of McDonald's. And because they answer to the, to the headquarters, the spider, um, if you go into a McDonald's in all, in all these different countries, no matter what the culture, you're going into basically the same McDonald's because it's centrally 
controlled. And this global cult um, works exactly the same. It has the spider in the shadows driving the agenda. And this goes back a long time. This is not new. It's just becoming more obvious now. And in the different countries, they have subsidiary networks, families um, of um, secret societies, semi-secret groups. And their job in each country is to control that country's governments, any party that has any chance of forming a government, uh, controls the, um, the corporations and the business, uh, the major ones, controls the media through owning the media, uh, and, uh, uh, and the institutions in general, but crucially in current events, to own the medical system. Because um, this is how it's been played out. So if you go back to um, when the World Health Organization was formed, it was formed by the Rockefeller family. The Rockefeller family are up to their neck and beyond in this cult. Uh, and so they created the World Health Organization for uh, the reason of being able to control global health policy from a central point under one roof, which they now clearly do. Um, and rolling forward to present time, the World Health Organization is owned by Bill Gates. It's now his biggest funder. And Bill Gates is not just an, a, an asset of the cult big time, but the Gates family and the Rockefeller family are incredibly close. In fact, I've seen genealogy that if you go back far enough, the two families fuse. Um, and so the, the way this pandemic hoax has been played out is that the World Health Organization, owned by Gates, who is owned by the cult, um, and um, through its director general, a guy called uh, Tedros, who's called Dr. Tedros, but he's not a medical doctor. He's a complete crook out of Ethiopia, who was on the board of um, companies that were massively funded by Gates before he became director general. He was appointed to be Gates's mouthpiece. So what happens is the World Health Organization tells um, countries, governments, how they should respond to the virus, i.e. lockdowns, alleged virus, uh, the lockdowns and test, 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 which I'm going to come to because that's part of, massively part of the scam. If in many ways it's the foundation of it, the test. Um, and so you, if you see a simple example of how it works, towards the end of August, World Health Organization said that um, children 12 and above should wear masks in various situations, schools, etc. Um, and within 24 hours, it couldn't have been much more. Nicola Sturgeon, um, the leader in Scotland, who's just a dictator in Scotland. I mean, where, where, where are the Scottish people? Um, oh, yeah, miss, miss has spoken. We better do it. What? Um, she announced that children 12 and over were going to wear masks in these situations. And, and, and she, she said it was because it was a recommendation for the World Health Organization. Within like 24 hours, not much more again, uh, Boris Johnson in Britain, in, in uh, Westminster, was saying, we're gonna introduce um, masks for 12 year olds and over in these situ various situations because of a recommendation from the World Health Organization. And this is how it works. Once you control the World Health Organization and you control therefore its recommendations and, and, and what happens in the different countries, these subsidiary cult networks 
that own the chief medical officer, that own the science advisors, they then take these recommendations and they then say to government, you, you must follow these recommendations. And, and what have we been hearing all the way through this, politicians saying we're being guided by the science. Well, they're not, they're being guided by the scientists owned by people like Gates. Um, so if you take the British example, you have the chief medical officer who's been, uh, again, majorly driving this policy in Britain, um, who uh, is Chris Whitty. He received uh, for a, a research project, $40 million from Bill Gates, the Bill Gates Foundation. Then you have um, Patrick Vallance, the chief scientific advisor to the government. This pair of prats are the ones that come out and try to scare the public. Uh, rigid so that um, the next day Johnson can appear and say all oh, because of the you know the, the, the terrible situation described by these pair of prats um, they, then um, we must impose more fascism basically and Patrick Vallance was a, um, a, a um, an executive a, a leading executive of GlaxoSmithKline that has massive connections business connections to to uh, Bill Gates in fact he still has 600,000 pounds of shares in GlaxoSmithKline, which is benefiting from uh, this whole, uh, we must have a vaccine. While its former executive balance was, it is chief scientific advisor to the government. And then you look at Fauci and, and, and Burks, uh, similar people in America, they have massive connections to Bill Gates. And then we come to this, this character that was basically, he created the lockdowns. Um, through false, fake, fraudulent computer models. Uh, a bloke called Professor Neil Ferguson at the um, Gates-funded Imperial College in London. And who else is Gates-funded? Ferguson. So he comes out with these just ridiculous computer model projections. And if you look at his, his, his history, he, he is basically next to bloody useless at producing accurate computer models. But what he does is he produces computer models that give the projection that these people want. That's why someone so bad keeps getting the, keeps getting the gig. So he comes out and all oh, my computer models, uh, half a million people could die in, in Britain from the, the virus unless we lock down. 2.2 uh, million in America could. And the governments have admitted because of those models, they locked down. Uh, and look at the connections and look how few people I'm talking about. And as a result of the computer models from a Gates funded Ferguson working with a Gates funded Imperial College, the lockdowns were imposed, not just in, the, in Britain and America, but around the world. And what is the outcome been? Destruction of livelihoods, independent livelihoods and independent uh, businesses and, and employment, it, it, it all connects um, um, into, the, uh, into this web. And it's a very simple structure. World Health Organization speaks, governments follow and impose upon the people. It's so simple. But the, the, the real structure, the real simple structure that allows this to happen is, um, is one of imposition and acquiescence. And, and this is why and where the population um, 
that acquiesces to whatever it's told shouldn't then complain, basically has no right to complain, of what's been imposed upon it. Because if, 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 you're, if you just put your hands up and say, yes, sir, no, sir, whatever you say, sir, then, then don't bloody complain when your freedom's taken away. Because you've handed it to them. Um, and it's not fascists that, in, that, that bring about fascism. Not enough of them. It's the acquiescence to fascists that brings about fascism. And, and what have we seen? And, and this is the structure again. Think of a pyramid. You've got the inner core of this cult at the top of the pyramid and they impose their will, their agenda on the level below them. Um, they acquiesce to that imposition and they impose it on the level below them in these national and international hierarchies of institutions. And very soon after you come down from that pyramid peak, you're um, reaching levels of the pyramid where they don't know there even is a cult or even agenda. But what they're doing is taking the impositions from the, the level above them and imposing it on the level below them. So it goes imposition, acquiescence, imposition, acquiescence, all the way down to the bottom where you find the mass of the population. And if we acquiesce to the levels of the pyramid, the hierarchy that are imposing on us, like governments, law enforcement and stuff, without questioning why we just do it, then we've created a circuit, we've completed a circuit, which has allowed a tiny few people at the top of the pyramid to impose their will on the entire population of the world. Um, and uh, so this is how it's done. It's very, very simple. And when you have the uh, mainstream media uh, pounding out the official story to um, download perceptions of what's happening to the people that suit the cult, and you have the Silicon Valley corporations created by the cult, never mind run by them, um, censoring information that would give people another view, then you're in, you're in a very strong position. But, you know, they've still got to deal with people's daily experience, which doesn't match what they're being told. And, and this, this, is, um, this has not only uh, been a, a, a time of, um, of great danger to freedom, it's also been a time when it's got a lot of people off the fence and, 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 and forced them out of denial by the experience of their lives to realize that the world's not like they thought it was. And uh, so there's been some good things out of this as, as well as the, um, the appalling things that are being imposed on the global population. Yeah, I'm here in London at the moment and the frightening part for me is just uh, walking out on the street and seeing people, you know, sitting on park benches out in the open air and have masks on them. I've seen them take them down, eat a sandwich and put the mask back up again. They're on bicycles, they're inside in vans with the windows fully closed up with the masks tightly around their face. It's the complicity of all that is, is just so, it's horrifying to see it all. But um, It's horrifying, uh, uh, Chris, how bloody easy it is. Yeah. But you see, this is, the, this is the, an, another important point. You know, what is happening now is not happening in isolation. And it's what's happening now is only what's happening now. The preparation for this, I mean, if people read my books, they'll see how long this has been in the preparation. Um, the preparation goes way back. And fundamental to that preparation, uh, because just, just very quickly, but people haven't come across this, 
we live in a reality, yeah. We live in a one reality. But there's two worlds in that reality. And those two worlds are um, divided by knowledge. So you have the general population and the idea by controlling the education system, it's not, uh, controlling the media, um, you hold them in a narrow band of knowledge, a narrow band of sense of the possible, narrow band of what reality actually is than what we are. While the other world is the secret societies and that web. And what's happening there is information is being passed over uh, through the generations uh, of these secret society networks, particularly the inner core. It's the inner core where it's all going on. Um, and yes, it's about the agenda for the world, but it's also about the nature of reality and the nature of the eye and how we interact with reality and how reality affects us and how we affect reality. Um, and this is passed over through initiations in the secret societies. Why are secret societies secret? To, to, to keep secret from the rest of the population what they know. So um, th this is the, 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 the whole foundation of how it works. And, and people like me and uh, going further back, your, your George Orwells and your um, Aldous Huxleys, they're taking information for whatever reason, how they know it, um, from this world and they're passing it to this world. Uh, and at this point, because of the uh, suppression of knowledge here, when you take this world knowledge and you, 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 you communicate it here, they think you're crazy. They think you're mad because that's, that's ridiculous. That's not possible. No, it's not that it's not possible. It's that you've been programmed to believe it's not possible. These people are working with what you say is not possible all the time against you. So the, the idea is to, is to control information in that, in that deep level, yes but also to make the population acquiescent to authority and to ingrain it and ingrain it and ingrain it into the subconscious and the conscious level, principally the subconscious, that's where the real uh, programming goes on. So look at a life, uh, Chris, you, you come out of the womb and within what, three years, four years, you're sitting at a desk um, and an authority figure called a teacher representing the state uh, and teaching as the state tells them they must teach. He's telling you when you have to be there, when you can leave, um, when you can eat, when you can go to the toilet, when you can talk. They're telling you what is and what isn't, what's possible, not possible, how things are, how things are not. And you're going to get this now throughout your formative years. But crucially, um, in terms of acquiescence to authority, look, look, at, look, at the, um, look at the theme, okay? You, you have an authority figure, figures with your parents, okay? Who've been through what you're about to go through. But then you have the teachers who are um, authority figures representing the state. And immediately there are rewards and punishments carrots and sticks for obeying that authority or not. Um, and 
you, kids start to, to, to see early on that if you obey authority, it's, it, it's, it's easier that way. And so you get into a mode of obeying authority, obeying authority, obeying authority. And I, and I watch young people now, they obey authority in general, not all of them, of course, but in general, they obey authority far more than, than um, I remember when I was a kid. Um, and, and this goes on and then you go um, out into the world of work and the teacher becomes the boss. Now you have to um, obey the boss uh, the, the authority figure and then you've got the police uh, imposing upon you you've got local authorities and national authorities imposing upon you with all the sticks and the carrots for uh, um, doing as you're told or um, not uh, and and this becomes almost in, in 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 vast numbers of people it becomes almost a reflex action to obey authority to see uh, uh, authority as the um, as the, uh, the the fountain of, of 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 everything, because that's all you've ever done, and you you may not even um, think you're doing it. You, you you may even you know criticize authority, but when when push comes to shove, as we've seen in the last few months, not least with the masks, they'll still obey, overwhelmingly, because it's a reflex action, and you know it. it I've been. Um, someone who questioned authority and didn't accept authority for authority's state, uh, sake since I was a kid. Um, I, I would not um, have authority um, demand respect from me. They had to, they had to earn it. Um, and if they didn't, then I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna uh, um, acquiesce to what I was being told. I was like this at school and I've been like it ever since because you, know, you lose your sovereignty if you don't do that. You just become a software program of um, of the state, and so we 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 th this psychological programming has been done done systematically generation after generation, and young generations today. Well, I feel for them because they've been, they've been uh, subject, not least because of the technology, to um, perceptual programming that's the, probably the most intense in human history, uh, and and they become acquiescent. Uh, like I say, not all of them, but a very, very large number become acquiescent. And it's been quite sad to see young people. I mean, if you're not going to rebel when you're young, when are you going to start? Um, just acquiescing to this stuff. You know, you, you, you might have seen that video, bizarre video the other day, where there's some American prom in a school. And these, these youngsters are dancing back to back um, wearing masks to avoid um, passing on the virus. It's unbelievable. What? What are you doing? And if you will acquiesce that much, well, what, what won't you acquiesce to? And, and, and if you do it at that young age, how acquiescent are you going to be when, when, when this programming into acquiescence has, has, has gone on for decades and decades? And this is, this is, what's, uh, this is what's happening. And, and you know, this is where the illusion comes from that authority has power. It doesn't. It doesn't. Pe people say um, authority has power. Well, okay. So someone comes out of Downing Street or the Irish Parliament or um, the White House and they say, look, we've, um, we've had a discussion and this is what's going to happen. If enough people say we're not doing it, 
no, 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 I'm not doing that. No, 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 no. So what are they going to do? It's unenforceable without the public's acquiescence. Um, and, um, and, and so it's not the authority that has power. It's the public that give their power to authority, not least because they believe authority has power, and this is then recycled back against them, at which point they experience this as authority has power. But the power is human acquiescence. That's, that's how they can do it. And if you look at um, what is broken, every tyranny in history, and it will break this one eventually, eventually, it's human self-respect. Human self-respect that says, I'm, I'm not doing it. You're, I'm, not being, I'm not cooperating with your enslavement of me. It's not happening. I'm not obeying what you're demanding I do because I can see it's just to enslave me. So I'm not doing it. And self-respect makes you do that. But if you, if you um, have conceded your self-respect um, to authority, because you do whatever it tells you, then what's left when self-respect has been deleted except submission that's all that's left submission submission and you know the way people have submitted to these masks in the face of absolutely no evidence a that they are um, any good and in the face or any use and in the face of the fact that they are actually seriously damaging the health and the psychological health of um, people not least children you mentioned uh, earlier on the PCR test, which I know for months and months now, the likes of yourself and Dr. Andrew Kaufman have been speaking out about it. Um, when is this scam going to stop? When are people eventually going to wake up to say, look, the test is it's all based on case, case, case. I mean, like over the summer, they wanted to go from case, case, case and wait till it rolls into the winter and then they can obviously redesignate the cases into deaths and they go, oh, everything is COVID-19, of course. When, when do you think this scam is going to eventually end with the actual test itself? And if you could explain and elaborate on the PCR test itself. Yeah, um, the PCR test um, would uh, be no more already if we had um, a mainstream media peopled by journalists, but we don't. Um, the PCR test, I, I, I did an interview in, on um, April the 6th exposing this PCR test for what it was, among a, a great stream of other things, and that's why the I was banned from YouTube and the interview was banned by all the, the mainstream internet corporations. Um, because the RT-PCR test was invented by a man called Kerry Mullis, an American who um, won the Nobel Prize for it. And he said, fortunately he died not that many months before all this kicked off. He said that the PCR test, which he invented, must not be used to diagnose infectious disease. He said uh, the test cannot detect uh, free infectious viruses, which is exactly what it's being used for. And so we come back to Tedros, who said from the start, the way to deal with this crisis is test, test, test. Because he knows that the more you test, the more fake cases you're going to get which you can then um, use as an excuse for more fascism. And then you look at the medical, um, the medical uh, uh, people, uh, the chief medical officers in these different countries. What have they said? Hancock, 
in Britain. We must test, 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 because they know the more tests, the more cases, fake cases, and the more excuse you have for your fascistic agenda. So the RT-PCR test takes a minute amount of genetic material, which they say is diseased. Um, and to make the point, this virus they call SARS-CoV-2 has never been isolated. The full genetic code has never been uh, put together. Um, and therefore they've never shown it to exist, um, which would make a lot more sense of people's personal experience um, than what's being claimed by governments in the World Health Organization. So what this test does is it takes this minute amount of um, genetic material and it amplifies it, kind of blows it up in simple terms. And the more that it amplifies this material, the more of the content of that material this, this RT-PCR test will pick up. And, and we're not talking uh, about uh, SARS-CoV-2, we're talking about the genetic contents of that material, which um, eventually, if you, if you amplify enough, everybody has in their body, and, and as doctors have said, if you amplify the PCR test um, sample enough, you reach a point where every single person will test positive because they'll have something in their body that's in that material. And if you look at um, the, the amplification um, uh, regime of the RT-PCR test, you, they talk about 30 um, amplifications, 35 amplifications. Once you get to, um, very much above that, then um, the test starts to pick up loads and loads of things, not viruses and uh, uh, the SARS-CoV-2 and what have you, not things that make you ill, just genetic material that, that you, you have that that test material also has. Um, and in Britain, the National Health Service and other countries too, have been using 45 cycles of amplification with the PCR test which brings you into the realm of enormous, I say 100%, but let's, if you even accept that the virus exists, enormous numbers of false positives where it's pinged positive, if you like, for genetic material. This is why 85% plus of people that test positive with a PCR test have no symptoms because there's nothing wrong with them because they're not picking up a sickness, they're picking up genetic material, nothing to do with sickness. And uh, Kerry Mullis, the inventor of the PCR, said, this is a quote, you can see it on the internet in an interview, if you use the PCR test well, you can find anything you like in anybody. And that's what they're doing. And so, the, um, the cases are not cases at all, but, but because they've massively increased the testing all around the world, they're getting more and more of these fake cases, which they're then calling um, people infected with the virus, unbelievably not true. And then they're using this for more fascism. And, and so people ask, where do the deaths come from? 
Are, are you saying people are dying? No, I'm not. I, I'm, of course they're dying. My question is, what of? And the answer to that is not COVID-19. Because first of all, I was um, approached, or I uh, put it simply, I, I was sent an email. And it was in March. And it was the work of a medical scientist in America in March. And he um, was saying then, the PCR test is not testing for the virus. And he said, if you wanted to pull off a fake pandemic, then you would choose a coronavirus because um, it's, it's a, that's a massive family, of, as they call them, of viruses. And all these different remnants of things like colds and stuff that, that people have had, this test will pick that up and it will ping positive. Not for SARS-CoV-2, for something you had ages ago, but still a bit of it in the body, not cause you any problem. Um, and, um, and he said that um, because that because it's not a deadly virus, in fact, there isn't a virus, he said, and I agree with him completely, um, then you're not going to get the deaths that a deadly virus would give you. So he said, what you do, because you want the lockdowns, is you don't um, uh, sell the lockdowns on the basis of the numbers you've got because you haven't got them. You say, we must lock down because these are the projections of how many people will die if we don't. And who came along and did just that? Professor Neil Ferguson, owned by Gates at Imperial, owned by Gates College. Um, and uh, if you look at the graphs, and this is not just in Britain, this is in, in country after country after country after country, the, um, the alleged deaths from COVID-19 and the, um, or, or put it another way, the deaths from all causes in uh, these countries and the deaths from all causes on average from previous years were virtually the same, sometimes less, until lockdown. And once lockdown hit, bang, the death rate goes up because they're being killed by lockdown uh, for many and various reasons, not least not, no diagnosis for things like cancer and heart disease and other things, uh, no treatment, all being got, got, stopped as a result of all this COVID-19. While the hospitals, of course, were, were, were empty. So you, um, you get the lockdowns in place by the projections, just as this medical scientist said was gonna, would happen. And, and then you, you, you start increasing the number of people that you say are dying of COVID-19, which is caused by this SARS-CoV-2 virus, they claim. Um, by redesignating death certificates and cause of death. And this has been going on on a monumental scale in every country because of this web connection that I described earlier. So in America, they introduced new payment systems, still going on, where they, they pay hospitals $4,600 if, um, if they diagnose someone with regular pneumonia, $13,000 if the same symptoms are um, diagnosed COVID-19 pneumonia and $39,000 if they put a COVID-19 
diagnosed person on a ventilator, which probably kill them. Uh, and a lot of people have been put on ventilators, didn't need to be. Doctors have come out and said this in America because of this payment system. And the ventilators killed them. It's, it's, a, it's an absolute last resort, um, a desperate last resort, the, the, the ventilator. Um, and so if you've got a real deadly virus, why do you have to give people financial incentives on that scale um, to diagnose it? Then they, 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 they stop post-mortems. There was a, a recorded um, telephone conversation that you can find on the internet between a, a loved one and the coroner's office in Britain, where the loved one's calling to say, um, when am I going to get a uh, diagnosis for um, you know, my, my loved one um, for why they died? Um, and the person at the other end of the coroner's office said, well, um, we tested them for COVID-19. This is presumably after they died. And it went off um, to be uh, analysed and it's not come back yet. And the, 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 the person said, well, so what does that mean? She said, well, um, if it comes back positive, COVID-19 will go on the death certificate. And if it doesn't, we'll have a post-mortem. Huh. And, and, and so um, when you uh, um, have people, this has been well, well documented, when you have people killed in motorcycle accidents and COVID-19 goes on the death certificate, people hit by a bus, COVID-19 on the death certificate, people are dying of late case, uh, late, um, uh, case uh, cancer and, and heart disease, COVID-19 on the death certificate. I mean, I, I've heard so many people, uh, families say, you know, I was, I was in a, a restaurant, actually, before, before they brought in all this crap. And there were people on the next uh, table, uh, obviously from the same family, and they were having this conversation. And so they were saying, it said COVID-19 on the death certificate. She never died of that. And, and this is just absolutely widespread. And, and when you um, have um, the main um, symptom that's claimed for COVID-19 as flu-like symptoms well you can you can do what you hell you bloody like because flu-like symptoms can be um generated by a, a very very large number of uh, potential causes including electromagnetic fields and, and 5g and um so what they've been doing is anyone with respiratory disease is is really open to being diagnosed COVID-19. And if you look at um, in the Southern Hemisphere, where they're just coming out of their winter, uh, in South Africa, flus virtually disappeared in 2020. You see, you see the, the, the flu there in, um, in uh, you know, previous years on average in South Africa, and then virtually nil. Uh, you see headlines, so a flu has disappeared this year in South Africa. Um, in, the May, in the province where you have the biggest city, Johannesburg, and the capital, Pretoria, when I saw this about three weeks ago, one uh, case of flu. One. But COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2, up there. Then you look, go to Australia, just coming out of there, winter. 2019, flu. 2020 flu. Just redesignation, uh, and uh, so and, and this is the other thing which combines the redesignation with the test, 
is that if you test positive for COVID-19 with a test not testing for the virus, then when you subsequently uh, die of, of virtually anything else, you'll get COVID-19 on the death certificate because you have, um, you have tested positive with a test not testing for it. And, you know, in the answer, I, I quote people, including this guy, Valance, the chief uh, science advisor of the British government. I quote other people, including the, the chief medical officer in Illinois, and because this is a global thing, where they're saying, actually, just, just because it says COVID-19 on your death certificate doesn't mean you died of it. 99% of people who died of COVID-19 in Italy, according to the Italian authorities, had one, two, three, four or more, what they call comorbidities, other reasons to die. And um, why is it that up to this point, they're, they, they're gonna try and manipulate you into thinking it's hitting um, uh, younger people, younger and younger people in this period we're going into. But up to this point, uh, basically you have to be in your mid eighties to find uh, um, an average age uh, of people who have allegedly died from this. Um, and young people have been hardly touched by it. Why is that? Well, because apart from the you know, odd exception, young people don't die. So you can't redesignate cause of death to COVID-19 with young people because very few of them die. Old people, especially the older they get, they're dying of endless things. COVID-19, COVID-19, COVID-19. And, and this is where the illusion comes from that it's, uh, it's, it's killing old people and not young people. It's because the, 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 re, the redesignation potential of old people is limitless and the redesignation of um, young people dying um, is, is extremely limited. So David, knowing the test actually doesn't work, um, recently I heard you speak to Dr. Andrew Kaufman about Operation Moonshot. That was leaked documents to the BMJ here in, uh, in London. So knowing it doesn't work, but yet for 2021, they're, they're expecting something like to test 10 million people per day here in yeah. England and the measures within the health passport and implications it's going to have on, on people's lives is just, it's phenomenal. Um, where to go with this operation. Yeah, what they're saying, uh, these leaked documents to the BMJ, British Medical Journal, um, is of um, increasing the testing uh, to, like you say, early 2021, 10 million a day, and that you will be tested before you go to work. And if you, if you don't test negative, then you can't go to work that day. Um, you, you, you'll be tested, and, and if you test um, positive, you won't be able to uh, travel won't be able to do anything. Uh, and they're talking about um, uh, these uh, passports, COVID passports, which will be based on having the Gates vaccine, um, which is um, going to be a nightmare for anyone that has it eventually, uh, cumulatively. In fact, he's now saying, and some of us said this would happen, he's now saying, Gates, that um, well, one, one vaccination won't be enough. You're gonna to have to have at least a second. Uh, and, and what this is the plan. They want these uh, COVID vaccines to, to be every every year, just like the flu vaccine. And uh, by the way, just very quickly, um, what, going on from what I just said, the British government has just announced that um, October the 8th was the last time they were going to uh, reveal or release COVID-only figures. From now on, they're going to fuse the COVID-only figures with flu figures. It's all a scam. Uh, and uh, it's all about control. And, you know, 
people. Are you gonna just sit there and let this fascism uh, drown you and drown your kids in tyranny? Because that's where we're heading. We're already there, but nothing like where it's meant to go. Uh, at what point? At what point are you going to say no? Because that will decide um, where we go from here. And just like to touch a small bit on the vaccines itself. Um, we know they're horrendously dangerous. You've spoke about it enough times in your books as well. But just touching a small bit on the actual what they planned nanotechnology wise. I mean, it's called digital dust. I mean, there's, there's umpteen names they put in it itself. But um, what do you actually believe is beyond these vaccines? Because they're making ones in Russia, they're making ones in England, they're making ones all over the world, and they don't seem to be consistent from a lot of reports. What do you think is the, they will have them in the following couple of months? Well, they'll, they'll, they'll basically be the same content. Uh, you know, I said back in uh, March, April, that the, the contents of the vaccine would have been known before they played the coronavirus scam is the, this pandemic scam is merely to justify, but justify lots of other things which I've talked about, but absolutely to justify the vaccine. I mean, if, even if you accept that there is a virus, just look at the official figures of the ratio between um, alleged infection with a test not testing for the virus and death. They're minute. I mean, it's 0.00 if you're under 70. And um, even if you take in all old people, it's again, marginal. So why people should ask, are people like Gates saying that we can't go back to normal? They have no intention of doing so, but to kid as they do, unless in his words, every man, woman and child on the planet is vaccinated. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever to this alleged virus, even if you accept it exists. What? It's not about health. It's about what's in the vaccine. And to, um, to really grasp the background to why, we need to know where, where we're being taken. And... You know, it's seeping out more and more. And I've been writing about this for years and years and years and years, that this cult wants to create a different human form. It wants to move from the biological human to the synthetic biological human. And if you just go on the internet, if you're new to all this stuff, and just research synthetic biology. So it's a very um, fast expanding um, aspect of science. Um, and they're developing um, synthetic human um, forms. Uh, and this human form, I'll call it human 2.0, that's what uh, many people are now calling it, um, would not be able to procreate. Um, and would be uh, produced technologically. Now, this is just precisely what Aldous Huxley described in Brave New World, the end of parents. The reason parents are being more and more marginalized in terms of their kids is that they're phasing parents out. That's what's happening. And this whole um, 
humans not procreating but being produced technologically just as Huxley described is where this transgender explosion comes into to everything because what they're doing is they're systematically confusing people's gender targeting the young because they're going to be the adults when they want to really play this out um, get kids the youngest age it's where all the drag queens re reading uh, gender uh, um, books in schools is all about to so even small kids it's all to do with confusing kids about gender on the road to fusing gender and the no gender woman uh, the no gender human this is why they're targeting men toxic masculinity and all this stuff um, this is uh, where, where we're going to see women become more and more targeted because they don't need men and women anymore course they don't need procreation in human 2.0 but at the same time they need to um, as they're bringing in 2.0 they need to stop the procreation of human 1.0 the biological human and uh, I would strongly suggest um, that in this vaccine and not least making it um, cumulative one uh, after the other year after year it's a process of uh, two things um, many other things too but two in relation to what I'm talking about one a sterilization agent it's already been shown that vaccinations uh, have um, uh, sterilized large uh, numbers of children not least uh, women a sterilization agent to stop the um, continued procreation of human uh, 1.0. Uh, and you know, when I was a kid, I was born in 1952, you never, you never heard about fertility clinics. It wasn't even talked about. But now, it's, of course, it's a global industry because sperm counts for a start have been plummeting, absolutely plummeting. There was an article that I quote in, um, in the answer, it was posted on CNN. Uh, that said that if um, uh, human sperm was an animal, they'd be talking about it heading for extinction. It's falling that fast. So you have um, uh, gender bending chemicals that affect sperm and you, the testosterone, um, the, in, the male hormone. Um, in um, plastic used in bottles and etc. You, you, it, it, it's in um, till receipts. Why? Because everyone touches them. Uh, and and the the idea is you you are um, reducing and reducing and reducing the procreation potential of human 1.0, and at the same time you want to develop human 2.0, and this is where this uh, hydrogel, as it's called, you know, some insiders have talked about this. People who've worked on the inside and seen this hydrogel, um, which is what is planned to be in these vaccines, which are DNA manipulating vaccines. It's a whole new vaccine that they've never been used on humans before. The technique they are planning to use, um, and uh, this hydrogel uh, contains nanotechnology, um, self-replicating nanobots, as they call them. Um, and the idea is to get that in the body, and then these um, AI nanotechnology um, bots then self-replicate in the body and their their role is to change the nature of the body 
change the body from from the biological human increasingly into something else and uh, there is also uh, there's nanotechnology um, known as smart dust and, and we're, we're talking the the human eye will never see it uh, and the idea is to is to to get this stuff in the body and then we become transmitter receivers technologically with um, this so-called smart grid that's why almost everything that comes out today whether it's a technique of doing something or a technology is called smart because it's all part of a massive grid where your body and your mind will be interacting with this grid 5g is essential to making this grid possible which is why 5g has been rolled out without any testing at all on the um, the impact on uh, human behavior and human psychology and human health um, and uh, so uh, th th this is this is the, um, the the agenda of this 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 move from uh, human 1.0 human uh, 2.0 that that this vaccine will be massively involved uh, with um, doing especially cumulatively uh, and uh, that's the reason they're using this ridiculous intelligence insulting excuse of this virus to say that every man, woman and child on the planet must be vaccinated. Every man, woman and child on the planet. What about people in different parts of the world that have no connection to this virus at all? Well, I want them and all. Why? For the reasons I've just explained. When you want everybody um, in this um, agenda, every human, then that's why they want to vaccinate every human. Uh, and I, I would have thought, to be honest, Chris, they might have come out with a better excuse than they have because it's, it, it's, it's intelligence insulting. Mm -hmm. And it says something about the perceptual programming of vast amounts of population worldwide that they still can't see it. Yeah. It's, it's frightened the complicity, like I was saying earlier, of humanity to all this. It's just like, where's the critical thinking? Where's people thinking outside the box? It's just their minds are completely froze. You talk endlessly about, you know, fear itself. Um, and people are trapped in fear, absolutely paralyzed. You can't make a, a proper direction in life, a proper what will I do, where will I go? So, but what I would just like to finish on, David, is um, you talk a lot about, you know, China being the blueprint for the world and yeah. the social credit score system and how, you know, people don't even think it's here, but I'm saying it's sweeping across the West very, very fast. Um, not even in the next five years, but where do you think we're going just in the next 12 months alone? What's this time next year you reckon going to look like? Well, we're going to go, uh, uh, you know, I, I've been saying for a long, long time, if you want to see the West tomorrow, look at China today. And that's never more appropriate than now. Um, this cult does not have borders. This is the first thing to really um, see through the scam. Doesn't have borders. There is no China um, as a country. There is no America as a country. These are just units of the cult. Um, the borders are for public consumption. So one of the biggest centers globally for the cult is China. And the cult was behind the Mao revolution. And the reason for that was to create a country under a tyranny whereby the few at the top could do whatever they liked. In the West, not anymore, but up to recent times, 
the West, uh, Western authorities had to at least pay lip service to the fact they claimed that the West was free. Um, so they could move only much slower than China. In China, what the government says happened. Um, and so what they've been doing um, in China since the Mao revolution is incubating in that country the model of control that they wanted to play out globally. So if you look at China today, that's the world in the not too distant future, if people still uh, go on um, looking the other way and open it will go away. It's not going to, it's not, it's not meant to. We have to make it go away. And so it's no surprise that this pandemic hoax was played out of China or that Ted Ross and such like are so close to China or that the World Health Organization said the draconian lockdowns in China were the blueprint for how the West must deal with the coronavirus. It's all planned. And, and if you look at how the West has been transformed since February 2020, what has it become more like? China. What we're seeing is the, the incubated model for global control in China played out across the world. Um, and uh, it's, um, it, 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 it is absolutely the fact that if you look at China, as that gets more and more draconian as well, you're looking at where, where the world is meant to go. Um, and uh, I, I, for one, do, do not want my children and grandchildren to live in a global version of China. Thank you very much. Uh, and if it's not going to happen, then some backsides and sofas need to part company very fast. David, and finally, where can people find you and support your tremendous work you've been doing over these past couple of decades? Well, they can, uh, they can go to davidike.com. Um, that's the, um, the hub, if you like, um, where um, information is posted every day, looking at what's happening in the world, but from a, a, the, the angle that we've been talking about. And there's also um, iconic.com, which my son Jamie started in um, November, and it's been a fantastic success. It's about best part of 800 um, uh, videos, series, original documentaries shot around the world, which um, uh, we've already done. Uh, and uh, programs, weekly programs, I'm, I'm on it um, uh, regularly. Um, and uh, it's, um, it's something that um, covers the whole spectrum of, um, of this whole story, including the nature of reality itself. And uh, what I did um, on September the 19th, Chris, is I did a live stream um, with Iconic. And it, um, it was supposed to be five hours, but you know me, it, it, it's seven. Um, and it's massively illustrated all the way through. And it's in three sections, um, putting the whole thing together, including what we can do about it. But the first like two and a half, three hours, really um, puts the whole uh, pandemic hoax in context of what's really happening, how it's been played out and, and all the things that the mainstream media will not tell you. Um, and, you know, people can go and see that if they, if they like. And um, I think it, after two and a half hours of watching that, if, you, if you're new to all this, um, I think a lot of pennies will drop.
And David, I want to thank you very much for your time today. It's been incredible. I enjoyed it thoroughly. And uh, just keep up the good fight. You're doing absolutely amazing work waking up so many people across the world. It's, it's fantastic. So, yeah, I'll finish on that note. Thanks again, David. And um, you've, been watch you, you've been watching Mind Wars. Uh, please like, subscribe, and share the content. It really does help with getting the message out. Until next time, see you then.